lost one bisexual pirate, but gained another bisexual pirate. So at least we have one bisexual pirate. Welcome to episode 65 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's the middle of February 2020, and we'll be discussing new comics and Fantastic Four vs. X-Men. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me, as always, is a campy 2005 superhero movie reference... Patty! Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com, leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes, or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast, and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. I say this every single episode and then follow it up with something funny, but right now I just want to thank you for listening. Seriously, if you don't have Twitter or Instagram and don't follow us, that's okay because you still listen to this thing I pour my heart into and we have fun doing and we don't get paid for it and there are so many other podcasts you could be listening to right now, but you're choosing to listen to us and that means the world to me. And me. And speaking of getting paid, Mutant Musings is the podcast that pays you in bad language. Have some fuck bucks, coochie coins, hand job half dollars, nutsack nickels, labia loot, penile pennies, dildo dough, and butt stuff bitcoin. You've just won the lottery, the prolapse lottery, because we're turning your ass inside out with cursing and innuendo. We have the best and breast bad words, and we're depositing them into you via an ear hole enema. So before we go any further, make sure your box is safe for a deposit. There's your explicit content warning. All right. <laughs> How'd you like that? Yeah, that was very interesting. You're an accountant. Yes. Yeah. You ever get uh, you ever get anybody trying to pay in butt stuff Bitcoin? Yes, very often. Whoa, whoa, okay. That <laughs> was not how I was expecting you to answer. I was expecting you to say no, and then I was going to say, yeah, yeah, baby. You want some? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sounded better in my head. Uh-huh. All right, but it didn't happen. No. Nothing was ever said. No. No. All right. How you doing, Fatty? I'm all right. Yeah. It's uh, the day it's after right. Valentine's Day, so we're going to go out today. Yeah. There was uh, a few weeks ago, I work at a, a city hall for a city, <laughs> and uh, so... <laughs> You're sure it's not a... A city hall for a town? There's no false, yeah. false advertising? Yeah, it's, it's a, I guess it's a borough. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Whatever. Um, but whatever. I work, I work, you know, where you have to, you know, go and get your dog licenses and all that kind of stuff. So, <laughs> so anyway, a few weeks ago or months ago or something, there was this dog that somebody found and they brought it in and they kept it in the health department and I heard a bark and I ran out of my office and I was like, dog, where's the dog? <laughs> and uh, so I guess they keep lost dogs over there and it was a baby and she was very playful. Um, she had a bunch of mats on her, so Aww. it looks like she wasn't really taken care of. She wasn't, um, microchipped and like they, uh, you know, put out a lot of like reports like on their Facebook and Twitter and Instagram or whatever saying like lost dog. If you've lost the dog or you know whose dog this belongs to, whatever, nobody got back to them. Um, they didn't want to bring her to, uh, the shelter because she was a good girl. And she was like like a cockapoo or some kind of mix like that. She was very adventurous and mischievous and just kept wrecking havoc on the office. And it was funny because Sounds she like was you. a baby. Yeah. 
So, like, she, they gave her a water bowl, and she was just interested in knocking over the water bowl. Nice. It was, it was really cute. She was a sweetie pie. And so, instead of bringing her to a shelter, there was, like, some kind of meeting that day with, like, the city councilors or whatever. So, they knew one of the ladies uh, was interested in getting another dog. And so basically she just went home with that lady and that Aww. it's, that's how it's been since, um, she came in yesterday with the dog. Yay. Um, I heard a bark again and I ran over and I was like, dog, where's the dog? <laughs> since then they've gotten her all cleaned up. They got her a haircut and everything. She's apparently still very mischievous. She's still, like I said, she's a puppy and she was very affectionate. She was giving all kisses and stuff. We have no idea what happened to her, but just like her being like in good spirits, even after like whatever she had gone through. I can't imagine like just somebody just like, oh, this dog is such a handful. Let's just like let it out and, you know, it'll just live its dog life. It's not like a wild animal, you know? So that was really crazy to me. Or the fact that like maybe it got out and they're like, oh, well, she's a handful anyway, so... Somebody will find her. Patty, there are bad It's people. really sad. There are bad people in the world. I, I can't imagine anybody ever being mean to a dog. It's it's crazy. It is but crazy. She gave me a bunch of kisses. Um she ripped up some toys in the few minutes that she was there. <laughs> it was it was a good time, so I was glad I got to see her again. I'm happy for you. That's a heartwarming story. <laughs> yeah. That belongs on the dodo. Yeah. Yeah, we should we should do submit that to the dodo. <laughs> yeah, let's take some video. We can record some sad music behind it, and then we'll have that turning point moment in every Dodo video where yeah. the music gets happy. Yeah. And then, you know, the dog is, like, hopping around. But during the sad music, the dog has to look sad. Yeah. Yeah, sad dog. It was funny, though. She said she has, uh, like, two daughters, and one of them will, like, put her hair up in a bun or whatever when she's sitting on the couch and, like, studying or whatever, and the dog will just go and fucking attack her head because I guess she <laughs> thinks it's a ball or something. <laughs> And she still got them puppy teeth, so she got like little razors in her mouth, just like attacking this girl's head. So that was that. That made me happy. Yay! Because I don't like kids. <laughs> That's the moral of the story. That's exactly how the the dodo video is gonna end with Patty saying, "Oh, I'm happy that this child got bit because I don't like kids." <laughs> <laughs> Let's see what else. We got tickets for Rage Against the Machine. We got tickets for Rage Against the Machine for six months from now. Uh, (laughs) Very, very fucking excited for that. I've been listening to them since like mid late 90s and then they broke up and then like anytime they've gotten back together since it's like on the West Coast or I just don't fucking know what's going on. And uh, and so then this happened. So, yeah, so we're fucking going. So, yeah, I feel like the last time they toured, I was a child. (laughs) Probably. So. This is like my first opportunity to see them. And we were actually prepared when they announced those four dates on the West Coast to fly to New Mexico to see them. Yeah. Um, We don't have to do that now. So that's cool. I mean, we still can. I mean, we can. Yeah, Yeah, we can. Yeah. My my coworker said uh, it's nice out there and I should go anyway because I have a friend out there. Yeah. Who I met once like nine years ago. Nice. And he said, yeah, you can totally stay person that i met when you were really drunk and don't remember meeting me nine years ago no that sounds uh (laughs) sounds like another heartwarming dodo video (laughs) i was uh i was drunk most of the time i was 18 so i don't remember half the people i met me too i'm just friends with them on facebook me too high five high five (laughs) (laughs) okay so we got some comics that we're going to talk about first one we're going to talk about is marauders number seven 
and uh, and I liked this issue because it had a uh, it had a bisexual pirate. We just we just lost that bisexual pirate. Maybe we don't know for sure if Kate's really gone or or what's going on with that. But we got Callisto, so that's that's okay. The force has been balanced. The bisexual pirate force has been balanced. <laughs> <laughs> There is uh, some mysterious text message to Kate about how the fucking homines verandi, which still feels weird to say in my mouth, uh, these kids have Krakoan drugs and poison? I wonder what they're going to do with that. What do you think their plan is? Do you remember that? When um, they I had do. to... I read it. We're talking about No, it. when they had to put all of the, uh, like tamper-proof things on all the pills yeah, because there were, like, Tylenol. three bottles of Tylenol in the whole country that had cyanide in them or whatever. I don't like the cotton that they put in it. <laughs> I always throw it out. You don't keep it? No. Really? Because every time I try to pour the pills out onto my hands, the cotton gets in the way. You never know when you're going to need some cotton balls, Patty. <laughs> I mean, you spend... Patty, you spend all this fucking money on these big bags full of like cotton balls to like wipe your face or no, whatever no, no, you do. No, no, I them. don't use I don't use cotton balls. Oh, I use, excuse me. I cotton use poofs? the pads. Oh, cotton pads. Yes. Okay. Patty. I don't like the poofs. The 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 puffs. <laughs> they don't they don't work as well. But they're free, Patty. This is how you save money. You just buy a shit ton of Tylenol and you fucking take out all the cotton. You wipe your face with it. But you can put it together and wipe your butt with it too. Butt cotton. Butt cotton. Right. See, that's it. You've already got the fucking name down. Butt well, cotton. they have cotton out. That's, uh, that's toilet that's not, paper, but right? That's not, but yeah, uh, right? Is that the one with the bear? No, that's Charmin. Yeah, Charmin's the one with the bear. Those freaky oh, fucking bears. Oh, this fucking, oh, I love wiping my ass. Shut the fuck up, Those you bears, stupid kid. It's so, it's so scary. But anyway. I'll pick it up because my hiney's clean. Oh, yeah, I'm <laughs> Charmin clean. <laughs> anyway, back to butt cotton. <laughs> so I think this is a good idea. Raise your hands right now if you're out there listening and driving or in the bus. You'd buy some butt cotton. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Callisto got invited to the White Palace where, where Emma lives. And uh, she's in there half naked and Jumbo Carnation is there, which is happy and cute. He's got an outfit for Callisto. And it's, it's, it's awesome. You know, I mean, fucking, I really like this because, you know, this touches on the Morlocks, you know, like the kind of... It's like really sad, um, living underground, and Emma invites Callisto to be the White Knight and to be like an ambassador for mutants who don't trust Krakoa and don't trust Emma. And I thought that that Which was... Which I was like, well, why should Callisto trust Emma? Well, why not? Like, I don't know. They don't have, like... I feel like, do they have a history? Everybody has a history with Emma. Emma's the best. Uh-huh. Uh, everybody knows Emma first. I just like how she, like, cut the sleeves off. Yeah. But it seemed like... When she was talking to Emma, she wasn't really going along with it. But then she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And I'm like, why? Because she... I don't feel convinced. She Because she's got fucking sexual angst. That's why. <laughs> she's got to take it out somehow. You know what I mean? She's, she's got to play coy and, and play rough with Emma. That's why she cut the sleeves off. That's why she cut she's, the sleeves off. she gay. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. If you're gay, you can't have sleeves. <laughs> My my friend Andrew uh, cuts all the sleeves off of his shirts too because he goes to the gym. Yeah, he wants yeah. everyone to see his guns. No, but it, it was it was really cute. You know, like Jumbo Carnation has this like really scared look on his face when she chops off the fucking sleeves, and then he he absolutely loves it. And then um, Callisto gives him the fucking knife, and that was such a dope panel. She's like, if you need this, go for the eyes. If you can't do that, swing low for the groin. Don't let anybody drop you again. And I thought that was so awesome. I fucking loved her in that panel. It looked, it just, it looked so good. 
Apparently, Christian and Bobby are, are a thing, for sure, this time, because they kiss on panel. Yes, they do. Yeah. Which I feel like there wasn't really um, a setup to that. Right. But I could have missed something. They're just both- But I usually don't miss gay <laughs> hints. Well, they were on Christian's boat, I think, and they were both walking down the same hallway towards the same spot, and they were talking. Gay. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we literally said that. They were, like, talking, and I think you said the same fucking thing. Gay. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the only hint that there was. It was just like, oh, look, there's this one gay character over here. There's another gay character over here. We're going to put them on the same panel. That means that they're gay yeah. together. Yeah. yeah, no, I felt like there was no build-up to this at all, yeah. so that's why I wasn't crazy about it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I got it when Cena Grace was like, oh, I'm going to introduce Christian Frost in the miniseries. And I was like, okay, obviously, like, he's going to touch about their history, he and Emma, but... Like, we're also going to, you know, he's obviously introducing him since, you know, Iceman's gay now and he's going to set them up or whatever. I feel like Cena Grace probably would have done a better job. Yeah, probably. But I don't know. I mean, you know, Christian was gone for a long time. Iceman hasn't been out for too long. But I do agree with there. It would have been nicer to see some more build up to it. Yeah, Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah. So Callisto sees Storm and flings her knife at her and is like, goddess, nice to see you or whatever. And Storm is just like, oh, Callisto. And Pyro is like, oh, my God, they're throwing knives at each other's faces. No wonder the Brotherhood couldn't beat them. That was they're so crazy. Hot. That was so hot. Yeah, I, I it that. was a lot of sexual tension right there. Yeah. And then they hugged. And that was that was wonderful. It, it was just it was really happy. It was really happy for Callisto. You know, like I said, I mean, like the Morlocks are always kind of like left out. I mean, they've been invited to live at Xavier's before, but you know, this is actually like a moment where mutant kinds, you know, is kind of thriving. You know, there's still threats, but it's not quite like when they were just living in a mansion and the mansion was fucking exploding every other week. You know, like it feels like this is safer for mutants right now. So it would be nice to see the Morlocks join. I really liked later too, where Callisto was talking to Mask about it and Mask was trying to fucking (laughs) golf. That was really funny. And then she threw the knife that knocked the golf ball into the hole, and she goes, touchdown. And I thought of you immediately. Oh, thank you. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that is a very me thing to do. Yeah. I like that, but I want to see more of the Morlocks um, involved in Krakoa. Yeah, and they can all come back now, too. Yeah. Yeah, all the ones that died during the fucking massacre. I mean, there are a lot of ones that were barely around, and then a lot of... A lot of them that we didn't even fucking meet, because I don't know how many dozens or hundreds or whatever, what the fucking number was that actually got massacred, but you imagine that there are so many that we never saw, that we never met, so there's an, an oppor- there's so much opportunity for them right now, like, they could probably get their own fucking title, and I would be interested. They had a miniseries written by Jeff Johns, I think it was the early 2000s, uh, and it was good, but it should have been a little bit longer. But anyway, so a fucking Russian ambassador is hanging out with, uh, with the fucking, with the shitty kids, and just trying to get fucking intel from them. And uh, it turns out that Hominids Verande even has a, a racist hand gesture, which is fantastic. Yeah, which Everybody, is everyone pretty tried to hard do to do. Yeah, it's very hard to do. It's like, it's like... I can do it. Uh, it's like this. Ah, but These fingers, it, yeah. Is this, this or like this? It hurts. I can't do it. <laughs> I can do it, but that's because I have a condition. <laughs> <laughs> but... Yeah, so uh, Bishop goes on a mission to Madripoor. He he fucking he goes through 
one of the gates, but he knows that in Madripoor there's going to be fucking, like, armed guards there, so he throws a grenade. I fucking love that. He comes across uh, Manuel and Duque from the fucking Hominis Barande and knocks the kid unconscious and then takes uh, one of the fucking guard suits and infiltrates one of their ships. And I'm thinking, like, that just sounds like a trap. Yeah, like, obviously, because he read a note that was on this kid. Yeah, like, like, why would you leave that out? Yeah, obviously, it's a trap. We we all been known Bishop was dumb as fuck. Whoa, if you're, what? No, if, you, if you're, like, fighting somebody, you don't keep the plans in your pocket. You know what the plans are. <laughs> like, come on. But then, uh, apparently, the Quiet Council had a, a vote. And we don't know what it's on, but we just see Shaw kind of content with himself because there was somebody missing because Kate's still missing. And then there's a fucking boat that finds Lockheed and it says next dead body in Krakowin. Is Lockheed dead? Uh, I don't, I don't well, think so. Well, the, the fisherman who caught him said that he was dead, but yep. also he's like an alien. So I don't know if they are qualified to are you saying that make fishermen, that determination? Fishermen aren't qualified to to determine whether something is dead or not unless it is a fish. They're no, not no, no. But like an alien, I don't know. Does he have a heartbeat? Does he breathe? Does he? Can you like detect it without instruments? He can, I don't know. He can snort smoke, like you yeah. know, like huff out yeah. of his nose and breathe fire. So I'm assuming yeah. he breathes air. I don't want him to be dead. Yeah. Um. So this this issue kind of set up. A bunch of stuff that were a little weird. You know, Bishop just kind of rushing off and running into what's likely a trap. This vote to just kind of reinforce that, whoop, Kate's not there. And they don't know yet, allegedly. Um, and then Lockheed's dead body. So that's all going to come back over the, the coming next few issues. But really, the most interesting part of this to me was was Callisto. Her introduction um, and her purpose. Uh, I was happy to see a fellow Morlock there with her. I want to see how they're going to be treated now. I want to see how others are going to act towards them and how they're going to react. I think it was Mass that, that said something to Callisto about Kate taking the, you know, taking the, the name for the ship Marauder. And Callisto made a great point that, you know, they it was the Marauders that fucked Kate up. It was the reason why she turned intangible, was unable to turn tangible again and almost died because of it. So she kind of took that and owned it. And I thought that that was a really nice nod. So, I don't know. I just want to see more reactions. I want to see more Morlocks. I hope they become a bigger part of this book. And honestly, that was that was my favorite part of, of all this. I, I'm also wondering when Emma is going to start to worry about Kate, if she's going to, or if this is a plan. Yeah, that's what people are saying, that like, oh, when Emma finds out, she's going to be pissed. And I'm like, you really think Emma doesn't have anything to do with this? I feel like maybe it's kind of like the Xavier situation all over again because, like, okay, so we've seen her be on Krakoa. She just can't use the gates. Right. So the protocols have nothing to do with that. Maybe. They have nothing to do with the gates. We know what the protocols uh Yeah, but in, unless the reason why she can't use the gates is because she's not a mutant, then the protocols won't work. I, I don't know. Maybe. But, you know, my first... My thinking is is still kind of split on this. I'm not definite either way. Part of me believes that she is actually dead, but another part of me wants to believe that this is part of a plan to kick Shaw in the fucking balls because it wasn't Emma's willing decision to bring Shaw into the Hellfire Trading Company. Xavier and Magneto said, you have to go do this. So she did it. She went and she got Shaw and she brought him in for it. And now this might be a way for her to just 
kind of push him out. Make him look like shit and have this plan to get revenge on him. And that'd be dope. And that's what I'm hoping for. Because Sebastian Shaw is a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so the next helmet we're talking about is X-Men Fantastic Four number one. And uh, apparently Franklin Richards' powers are draining. Do you know that he's a mutant? Yes. Do you know that his powers are draining? Now. Well, now you do. Okay. Because they told us at the very beginning of this issue. Good. So we're all on the same page. Or else it wouldn't have made sense. So we're all on the same page. The same page of this comic book. Get it? Yes. Got it. Got it. Good. Good. All right. So he used to have dreams of the future, but he doesn't anymore. And then he doesn't believe that there's a future for him, which sounds like a very angsty emo teen thing to say. Also, he has black hair now, so you know he's angsty and emo. Or like a blindfold thing. Yeah. Yeah, blindfold thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, Chip, wow. Chip Zdarsky ripping off Matthew Rosenberg right there. <laughs> I'm saying it. I'm calling him out right now. I'm calling out the, the, the Zdarsk right now. All right, so the Marauders arrive back on the island. We we know that this is before Kate, quote-unquote, died. It has to be because she's here. Also, later we see Pyro without the face tattoo. Thank God. So, <laughs> let my baby make his choices, Ugh. all right? I'm not happy about it either, but I'm going to support him no matter what. That's what love is about, Patty. <laughs> yeah, so Xavier needs to see Kate. They want Franklin on Krakoa to help him before his powers are gone and, and find out if this could maybe happen to other mutants too. The powers are just draining. And I thought it was very funny that Kate's like, you're, you're going to convince one of the world's smartest men and one of the world's most powerful women that their teenage son is better away from them. And Xavier is like, and this is where you come in. So I- I'm ready. I'm ready for this to happen. I'm ready for this discussion to happen. So Reed is trying to convince Franklin that there's nothing wrong with being a human, uh, which is kind of shitty. But then Sue points out how it's devastating when you think you're something special and all of a sudden it's gone. There's nothing wrong with being human, but Franklin isn't. And like he he wants to know what's happening to him. And, you know, Franklin is, is kind of upset because Reed is... You know, not that I know so much about the Fantastic Four. I really fucking don't. But, you know, Reed is super smart. He's always so busy with all these big fucking things. But, like, his son wants some help. His son wants a solution. His son wants to know what's going on. And it's just kind of like, you know, you think, like, this fucking genius would have some more answers for him. And he doesn't. And then he comes out with this line with, there's nothing wrong with being human. Like, oh, man. Like, really? And he talks to the thing later and says how come like the smartest guy in the universe or whatever can't like the only two problems he can't solve are you and me yeah that's and yeah it then i was thinking a little bit about like you know those like stereotypical like 90s cop shows that are like the only crime that i haven't been able to solve is my dead wife's <laughs> what <laughs> You've never heard that before? That cliche? I've solved every murder I've ever encountered, except for my wife's. <laughs> yeah, no. that's a thing. I don't feel like I watched many 90s cop shows, except for uh, Homicide. That was well, a great show. pretty much all the cop shows. It happened in Monk, too. <laughs> really? Yeah. I love that show. Monk had a wife? Yeah. And he couldn't solve? That's Mrs. the only Mrs. crime he Mrs. wasn't Monk's, able to solve. Mrs. Monk's murder? Yeah. Yeah. Tony Shalhoub was so good. I don't even remember what happened at the end of Monk, if he ever solved her murder or not. All right, well, that's good. We don't have to spoil it for anybody right now. Yeah. So Johnny, you know, comes and tells Franklin and the thing that there are some visitors and not the good kind. You know, Logan is there. He's like, if I was a suspicious type, I'd suspect we weren't welcome here. Sue has this force field up, and I'm looking at, like, the people that are there. You've got, you know, Wolverine in his fucking costume. You've got Pyro. You've got Magneto. You've got Xavier 
with the fucking headwear. Xavier and Magneto are like floating down, and I'm like, this should not, this should not have been the fucking delegation to convince these people that their teenage son should come hang out on Krakoa. You know, seriously. I'm looking at this and I'm like, this does not, this does not look good at all. Because you've got the fucking, the stabby X-Man all like, you know, in his fucking costume. You've got Magneto, fucking villain. Pyro, another fucking villain. Xavier with the headwear, looking like a villain. Like, these aren't people that should have gone. If you're going to try to start some dialogue, you should be like, hey, listen, we just want to run our own tests, you know? Like, yeah, like he's your child, but he's a mutant. We're mutants. We want to, you know, try um, some running some tests on him. You guys can monitor him, video chat with him, whenever, wherever. We'll record everything. Like, you know, don't worry about it. But look at, but look at who they sent. They sent men. Men don't and know storm. how to talk. And Storm. And Storm. Storm was trying to talk to Ben. They were outside. Yeah. But everybody else was inside, and they were all men. They don't know how to talk. They, you know, it was like the same thing in the X-Men Fantastic Four crossover from 87. Like, you guys are part of the same team. You're both the good guys, and every time you meet, you just start blasting for no reason. Just fucking talk. Jesus. It's just dicks out, start blasting. Just start blasting. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Before <laughs> we can even have a proper measuring contest, it's just start blasting, shooting right from the dick. We don't shoot from the hip. We shoot from the dick. That's how men do it. Yep. <laughs> but luckily, they did send in a woman. They sent Kate, yeah, who but had she- a special bond with Franklin. Yeah, and that was that was fantastic cuz she wasn't even just like hanging around waiting for them to decide on anything. She literally phased through Sue's force field and just went and started fucking talking to Franklin and they hugged and it was really cute and and it was great. But, you know, fucking Xavier and Reed start having this fucking back and forth and Reed is like you act like you're above humanity now. And I looked at that like, bro, like wh- when did trying to be equal ever fucking work out? for for the x-men and it's not like mutant kind is now saying listen we own the earth you know i mean economically they're doing pretty good for themselves but you know they're not kicking humanity off you know the the planet there's that well it's like (laughs) it's like the whole argument against feminists that they want to like be superior like put (laughs) men down or whatever there's yeah, obviously right? that's not what it wants. We want just the same fucking opportunities right. you've always had. Yeah. And it's the same thing. It's like any little bit of pushback is like, oh, no, they're You're trying getting to- too much power. They're trying to dominate. It's like that fucking, uh, that image of, uh, you know, like the, the 10 people. One of them is black. And the other nine are white. And it says uh, diversity. And then you go to the next picture, it's two black people and eight white people, and now it says white genocide. <laughs> it's the same fucking thing. Like, any sort of pushback, like, oh my god, no, they're taking over. Like, is exactly. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, Sue chimes in with, this family isn't about segregation. We want our children to live in a modern society where they can learn and grow with people who have different experiences. And I just looked at that like, oh, Karen. <laughs> like, really? Like, I get them wanting to live, like, to have their kids with them and to have their kids experience different kind of cultures and stuff. But also, it's not really for you to decide because, like, there's this paradise and Franklin is invited 
he should get some say about whether or not he gets to go. I with mean, his he, people, with his yeah, own people, yeah, he can go like check it out. He doesn't have right. to like live there. He right. can still like go to school here and like whatever. You know, okay, you want me to live in New York where it gets fucking like blown up every week? Fine, <laughs> mom, and so safe. Okay. Yeah, and actually Magneto points that out. He's like, it's not just enemies of the Fantastic Four, it's enemies of mutants too. And then Sue puts Magneto in a bubble, and you know this is where shit goes off the rails when she does that. Because Xavier is like, release Eric or I'll make you release him. And Reed is like, you're not getting in my wife's head. And then Kate and Franklin leave. You know, Kate's trying to be really understanding towards Franklin and like supportive. Like, whatever you decide, like, um, I'll, I'll support it. And then Johnny comes in all angry. The Marauders and Logan show up, and then so do the rest of the four. And it's just a collapse of fucking communication, and it's all just fucking fighting. And then the movie reference happens, and it made me so fucking happy. Because, because fucking Charles says to Eric, says, Eric, let's not escalate. And Sue says, no, let's. And I heard that in Jessica Alba's voice, and it was amazing. Because that is... One of the lamest parts of the fucking Fantastic Four movie from 2005 when Doom goes to her, Sue, let's not fight, or something like that. And she goes, no, let's. And then blasts his force field at him. It's so lame, but it's so good. I was like, oh my god, Chip Zdarsky did his homework. I have never seen those movies, by the time so you I guys, can't relate. By the time you guys hear this... Patty will have seen the first no, Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> Why not? Well, when are we going to get time to? Maybe to... Oh, fuck. Maybe tomorrow? Maybe not? But we know. wanted to see Sonic. Oh, ah. oh no. Two movies. Oh. Two for one deal. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that was a movie reference. It was great. But Franklin runs towards the gate, runs right through, and he's still there. He doesn't actually go to Krakoa. And Reed is like... Oh, I created a device that masks your mutant gene. I'm trying to protect you. And then fucking Franklin storms off. And uh, Xavier goes, you're right, Reed. I suspect this will resolve itself. And that was really fucked up. Like, being an overprotective parent, like, trying to be controlling of your kid, what do you think's going to happen? They're going to rebel. See, see back to earlier in this episode where I said that most of the time that I was 18, I was drunk. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's like getting, having these overbearing parents or whatever, like super controlling on your back all the time, and then these kids go away to college, and then they're just yep. fucking drinking all the time. The, I can absolutely relate to that. I yeah. failed out of college. Yeah. And I mean, sure, that doesn't happen to everybody, but that happens to enough people where you can say, yeah, that's the thing that happens. So, so Franklin and Val end up on the Marauder as stowaways. Um, Franklin does want to see Krakoa. Val, she's not a mutant, but she just wants to make sure her brother's okay. And Kate's like, we're not going. We have a mission. And then all of a sudden, Doom attacks the boat. Or, or what we think is Doom. It could be a Doom bot. But he attacks the boat. Anyway, I like this issue a whole lot. I, I have I have problems with both sides. You know, a fight between two factions of heroes is because of a misunderstanding and unwillingness to compromise. Really quickly escalating miscommunication. You know, Xavier wants to help Franklin and see what's going on with him. And Reed accuses Charles of, like, all this bullshit. And I get the ego on mutants now, but, like, if you wanted Kate there as comfort, Charles, you you didn't think about comforting the parents. You didn't think about how you brought along a couple of former villains and a stabby man in a costume to talk. You know, like, 
Like, yeah, but his plan kind of worked out because when they were leaving, he's like, sure. don't worry. Yeah. I think that we won't have to, you know, talk to Franklin again. He'll come on his own. Yeah. I, I They like forcefully pushed him to want to go to Krakoa. So maybe that was the plan. I don't know. That's interesting. That's really fucking manipulative, but I could absolutely well, see that. Xavier. <laughs> yeah. You make a really good point. This could have been Xavier's plan all along. Just go fucking insult the four, make them look like idiots to Franklin, so Franklin decides on his own that he wants to go, and he rebels, and yeah, you're, that's a really good point. I did not even think about that. But, but you know, as much as I, I can point the blame to, like, the X-Men 2 on this, you know, it was really, really fucked up for, for Reed to mask uh, Franklin's mutant gene. Um, nothing wrong with being human, like, I, I don't know. It just, it maybe it's too simplistic to make this about the mutant metaphor, but like, oh, there's nothing wrong with being straight, son. You know, like that might be oversimplifying it, but that's just, that's what that sort of says to me, you know? Yeah. And like the whole, like nothing wrong with being mutant. Well, he, with being human, well, he isn't human. Right. There's nothing wrong so, with being a mutant either. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I took a huge issue with redoing that, but I see that kind of as, like, the catalyst of what set Franklin off. Yeah. Yeah, it really put him in a bad light. Yeah, I don't know. I don't pay attention to the Fantastic Four very much. I'm assuming that there are huge Fantastic Four fans out there, and maybe they're not feeling too happy about this, but, um... But either way, obviously, we love the X-Men, and I don't think either one of us particularly cares too much about the Fantastic Four, but I'm just not all about hating on them. I get where both sides are coming from in this, but it was uh, ultimately really fucked up for Reed to be doing that. But anyway, you know, this was this was a great issue. It was a great setup. I don't know how I feel about Doom attacking the boat yet or what's going to happen with that. Also, I'm not a huge fan of the art. Uh, some people may not like to hear that, but I have never been a big fan of the Dodsons. I can't really put my finger on it. Occasionally, they have done some good stuff and turn out a good cover, but I'm not a huge fan. All right, next new comic we're talking about is X-Men number six, and I fucking loved this issue. It was so good. I had one little problem with it, sort of, which we'll get to, but Destiny is going to tell Mystique a story, and that's a really cute way to open, because we see the two of them together, and they're just kind of sitting and watching a sunset. Then we cut to Orcus, who is setting up bases on other planets, on Mercury, on Venus. Um, they're fucking colonizing the solar system. Dr. Gregor figured out a way to return the mother mold so that's terrifying and so we go back to this exchange between xavier and mystique before the mother mold mission and magneto asking mystique to plant the seed for winter harvest and she does she does so this takes place before the mission where they all died in house of x number four she she puts a little fucking crack oil plant on there and uh her her whole oh i got turned around in House of X number four, I knew that was bullshit. I remember sitting here talking about it and being like, it's a mystique. She did not get turned well, around and make a mistake. She was planting this plant. That's why she got quote unquote turned around. But she told that to Mag to Magneto and Xavier knew, but the rest yeah. of the team didn't. Oh, so that's why she said it? Yeah, that's why she was on the comms. But then with why, why wouldn't they care? Like, they wouldn't care. It's Xavier. He wants to hide things from people. Oh, that's stupid. Okay, <laughs> whatever. I, I didn't get that because I saw that again and I was like, so what the fuck was she doing? I felt like this didn't really make sense. Oh, but, but yeah, but that's what she was. She was why she got turned around. She had to plant this plant. 
for uh, per Xavier and Magneto's instructions, and then go on with the actual mission to detach the Mother Mold. And then we re see her get caught and get fucking jettisoned into outer space. Uh, Xavier's like, we get what we want, and you get what you want. And she's like, yes, Irene. And I'm like, wait a second. But we already know that Destiny can't be on Krakoa, right? We know Moira said no precog, so Destiny can't come back. Yet they're standing there promising Mystique she's going to get Irene back. And again, you know, Xavier's a manipulative dickhole. Um, Yeah, they're just going to lead her on. Which is exactly what happens. Later, the X-Men get resurrected. Charles and Eric want to be sure the gate has grown uh, on the fucking Orcus station, and they send Mystique to make sure. And it, it did. It grew. Here's, my, here's my, my sticking point with this issue, though. How did Orcus never fucking notice this plant and that turned into this fucking gate on their enormous ship with all this technology, all these smart people? You, you think that they're not fucking cataloging what flowers are in their garden and they don't notice this one turn into a gate. Well, okay, I don't think they're cataloging flowers, but I feel like it's really <laughs> fucking obvious if there's a giant gate just sitting there. Nobody noticed. Nobody thought to question that this gate, what, what happened? Why is this gate here all of a sudden? Yeah, no, it's stupid. I just, um, I'm sorry. That stuck with me. Somebody out there can point out, you know, Jonathan, you're wrong. It was like a pocket why. portal. <laughs> like a pocket pussy. What? What did you just say? Pocket pussy. <laughs> Are we plugging a brand now? Are we directing people to pocketpussy.com? I don't know if that's Listen, an don't, actual... Don't type that in your browser unless you're 18 or older. But go on. What's, what, what is this thing you speak of? Is that like the fleshlight? Yeah, I don't know if it's an actual brand or just like a nickname for it. But it's the same thing. <laughs> so Mystique finds out that... Dr. Gregor is coming up with a a fucking new Nimrod that it's not necessarily this mother mold that was going to make a Nimrod that they're still fucking building it anyway. And she's reporting all this to fucking Xavier and Magneto. And Magneto's like, you had a chance to kill her. And she's like, "Uh, yeah, we have laws. And Magneto's just just like, oh, well, you could have made an exception. I'm like, bro, you could have said something. You know, because the bitch was sleeping right there. Mystique is posing as a courier. There's a knife, and it didn't happen. But I feel I feel so bad for Mystique, and I hate Mystique. I hate her so much. Like, and again, it's because she's such a good villain, you know? But it's just always fucking betrayal. You know, she's demanding that they bring Irene back, and Xavier says, like, after all these years, if you stabbing your own kind in the back, you are just going to get what you want? You really think that we can trust you? And I can kind of see his point, but I do feel so fucking bad for her. Especially when she screams, I want my wife back. Because this is the first time, as far as I and a bunch of others who who we've talked it's about it. It's the first time. The first time that that's been stated on panel that they like are slash were, because she's dead, you know, married. You know, that's, that's a really fucking awesome thing to explicitly put inside of a fucking comic book and an X-Men book. Like, that made me that made me really happy. And I didn't even get that at first. It's just one of those things. It's like, oh, we, we know that they're a fucking couple. We've known for a long time. We've seen it on panel. I think it was, you know, more explicitly confirmed recently in another fucking oh, yeah, history of Marvel of those, Universe like, or something. Things, yeah. yeah, and um, but now they're actually married, and that's fucking dope. Yeah. That's really amazing. Yeah. But just the art in this book, Teo Bafagni, I think, just the the drawing of the looks on her face, like how in pain 
she is screaming that she wants her wife back and just is so sad. Like I could really, I could really feel that. And I, and I really, really like that. And so the story that destiny is telling, she's like, it's going to seem like it's too good to be true. And they aren't going to want me there for some reason, but you have to bring me back. You have to. Yeah. And if they don't burn that place to the ground. And I thought that was, (laughs) So fucking awesome. Yeah. Like goosebumps. Just like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> and I feel like there hasn't been a ton of characterization of Destiny, except, you know, recently where she had Pyro burn somebody. Oh, Moira. Yeah. Yeah, that was fucking awesome. Where we just get <laughs> to see Destiny just be a fucking badass. And I, I just couldn't when... And uh, so I'm wondering, because I feel like Mystique knows that she's not going to get what she wants, how she's going to, you know, order the five to bring her back, maybe posing as Xavier. That's going to be so interesting. It's, I mean, a part, part of this stinks, right? Because Xavier is saying that all of this time stabbing mutant kind in the back, and literally it looks like she's going to do it yet again in order to bring Destiny back. But now, the potential disruption that can occur from her doing this is amazing. So, in effect, Xavier will have been right. Mystique is going to stab them in the back again, likely, in all likelihood. You wouldn't, for me. (laughs) No, I would. Sure, but that's different, because I'm not like Mystique. I don't fucking, (laughs) I don't do that kind of shit. I can't shapeshift, you know? But what I'm what I'm saying is is like the potential for this to be so disruptive, having Destiny be there and see things in the future and know things, know Moira's around, know exactly what's going on, be able to see what's going on and fuck with everyone's plans is just it, it's it can bring this whole fucking brave new world for mutants just burning right to the ground, which is what they're saying. And I think that's incredible. I can't wait to see for that shit to fall apart. We know that this is going to fall apart at some point. This isn't going to be the status quo forever. I don't feel like Hickman is going to leave the X-Men until this whole Krakoa mutant kind as like this economic and political dominant power in the world is going to crumble. Um, So this is going to be part of some sort of endgame, maybe. But who knows what she's going to try to fuck up. Um, I just thought that this was incredible because... There were only a handful of scenes with Mystique and Destiny in this book, but just like the colors, the sunset, the the peace that was there, it was just really beautiful and a stark contrast to Mystique's face twisting as she's screaming at Charles and Eric, and um, it was just so powerful. I absolutely fucking loved this issue. I absolutely loved it. I, mean, I think it's it's possible that Moira just has a grudge, Against Destiny for, you know, Destiny ordering her being burned to death. Wow, get over it, bitch. But I, I think, you know, it comes back to, to what I said, you know, about about Destiny being able to see the future and everything that's that's really going on on Krakoa. I think Moira is concerned about that. I think that's why we're not seeing or going to see other precogs like Blindfold or Preview. Yeah, because Moira's up to some shit. Yeah. That's why we haven't seen her. Or she knows something. That maybe nobody else knows. So I guess we'll see what happens. But I absolutely love this issue. Uh, Alright, so the last new comic we're talking about is X-Force number 7. There is not a ton to say about this one. I liked it, for the most part. It was a good little setup. I think it depends on how this gets followed up. Whether this could be a good story or just very kind of like, 
why did we have to take this side trip? I love Domino, so so it's great. But anyway, all of these all of these allies to Krakoa are being sniped, regardless of the impossible odds against them. My favorite one, and I feel bad uh, a little bit for the humans involved, but my favorite one was that bullet that went through the delivery guy and the journalist, but it also went through and ruined that pineapple bacon pizza. Good, because meat is murder. Right, and pineapple on pizza is murder. Not the same. (laughs) No, it's just about the same. No. Pineapple (laughs) pineapple pizza. Pineapples uh, never killed anybody. Pineapples, you don't know that. Pineapples (laughs) fallen from a tree. People get seriously injured, Patty. Pineapples are fucking deadly. All right, that's not even a joke. Don't joke about uh-huh. pineapple murder. Homicidal apples is what you call them. Listen, no pineapples don't belong on pizza. Pineapples, that's that's correct. Like I got the salty sweet mix thing or whatever that you think that you're going for, but that's not it. Right, right, and also just pineapples. Listen, okay, I'm I'm gonna be real right now because a bunch of people came at me on Twitter when I said something about this. All right. So pineapple, like the inside, the actual parts of the fruit that you eat, it's pretty tasty. There's nothing wrong with that. No, I don't want it on my pizza. All right, that's my prerogative. Because pineapples, just as a whole, are inherently fucking terrifying to me. I don't like the taste of them. They're fucking terrifying. There is a video game that came out in the 90s. One of my favorite video games is called Secret of Mana, right? And there's this boss in it, and his name is Tropicalo. He's like the second boss that you fight. And he's just this fucking... I don't even remember him. He's like this fucking amalgamation of different fruits, but he looks terrifying. He pops out of this fucking pineapple, and he's got the spikes are all over the fucking outside of the pineapple, and he fucking shoots these pumpkin bombs that bounce, and there's this little fucking weed that grows and stabs at you, and he scared the hell out of me. It was like the most frantic fight you know, it's early in the game. I was like 9, 10 years old. I was scared. And now I have an aversion to fucking full pineapples. They freak me the fuck out. They're spiky as hell. They're spi- that could injure somebody. You throw that at somebody. Play a game of catch with a pineapple, all right? Don't look at me like I'm crazy. There's a reason why nobody goes pineapple picking. <laughs> <laughs> and I can only feel so bad for that pizza delivery guy and the journalist because they are complicit in this fucking pineapple crime. <laughs> so there you go, all right? So I've said my piece, and now that's it. Peace, sir. <laughs> so apparently Domino has lost her luck. She said it must have gone somewhere. There are a couple of weird... Because I was like, why is Bullseye doing this? But because they kept <laughs> saying luck and odd-defying acts or whatever, I was like, okay, why is Longshot doing this? <laughs> yeah, there's only so many people who this could be, right? There are a couple of weird interludes here. Beast... Uh, wants natural spyware, and Forge is going to develop it using Krakowin technology, so that sounds dope. But I, you know, and it's uh, to me, that's an interesting thought, but, like, why? That's, that's weird. Why was that in there? Uh, Domino's having nightmares about what they did to her, and that's really sad. The trauma of the fucking getting her skin cut off. She runs to Colossus on the beach. I thought that was her time, Yeah, sexy. You know? I thought it was And they were both, time. like... Oh, you can't sleep either? Yeah, I thought they were going to fuck. Because it's like 2 in the morning, thought, yeah. they're on the beach, it's romantic, he's do. painting a picture, sex do. on the beach. This was called as not just a drink, apparently. The yeah. drink is really good, though. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> you should try it. I don't know if it has pineapple in it. Well, I mean, A, I'm not drinking it because it has alcohol and I don't drink alcohol. And B, I'm not drinking it because it's got pineapple on it. And that's just on principle, I'm not drinking it. <laughs> my pineapple principle. Click on images. 
No, okay, it doesn't have pineapple. Okay. Yeah, vodka, peach schnapps, orange juice, and cranberry juice. I have to make them. They're so good, but they cost so much money at bars. You know what's free? What? Water? No. What? <laughs> oh, actually, okay, I see what you're saying. But but it's not because you have to pay for parking at the beach. I like that's how where that's that's where your mind went. <laughs> it wasn't about the nude or lewd acts in public or the police showing up in the handcuffs. It was about the beach parking. <laughs> Listen, I'm an accountant. <laughs> what? We ignore all other laws that yes. don't pertain to parking charges. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you know what? You're right. Because where are we going to wear our badges, our beach badges, if we're naked, Patty? Exactly. I can't believe I didn't think about that sooner. <laughs> Man, I don't know how it's going to work now. All right, anyway. We have to get nipple piercings. <laughs> oh, my God, Patty. <laughs> uh, who says I don't? <laughs> going to leave that another Mutant Musings mystery. All right, uh, so Colossus and Domino are talking to each other, and, you know, Domino's like, you know, Resurrection has made it possible to choose... A future self that's unburdened by the past. A scarless existence. But sometimes we only remember and appreciate our history if it comes with a scar. And as much as, like, a twisted hallmark sort of thing that is to say, it's also true. You know, you can let all this pain from your past mold you into, like, a a harmful and cold person. Or you can learn lessons from the painful shit that you've been through and try to carry yourself better. And apply that to, like, you know, being a better person. Yeah. So Sage helps predict where the next assassination is going to come from, and Domino is waiting, saves a woman, she goes snowboarding, I loved all the fucking action, goes into a casino, huh, you like that? You like the symbolism? Miss, miss, miss Lady Luck going into a casino, but she's not so lucky now. She should have played Domino's. But she's, (laughs) she's, uh, she's not so lucky now. You know, we see, uh, you know, the fucking, like, hand touch the slot machine, and this old lady wins. And so this person takes off the hood, and it looks like Domino, only, like, inverted. And that's what it says, you know, next. Reverse inverted. Domino. Yeah. I'm, I, I was like, my immediate thought is Mr. Negative, and then I went to Miss Negative, and then I went to Dominative. <laughs> you know what that made me think of, though? Like, Miss Negative? It makes me think of those uh, little kids' books where everybody's, like, one of those little, like, circular smiley faces. Yes. I and knew what Miss you were, Lucky. I knew what you were talking about before you even said yes. it. Yes. And I did not even remember that was her name. That's weird. Yeah, her name was Miss Lucky. Miss Lucky? Was yeah. she really lucky? How, uh, how often did she get lucky? It... <laughs> did she get lucky on the beach? Did Miss Lucky get lucky on the beach? It was like a weird thing where like what was happening to her at the time seemed to be really unlucky. Mm-hmm. And it was like, how could this be happening to me? I'm Miss Lucky. And then at the end, she finds out like, oh, it was all a dream or something. Am I, aren't I lucky? <laughs> yeah. So again, I thought that this issue was neat. It wasn't exactly amazing. It depends on, on where they decide to go with this. The data pages that were just these little cutaway B stories were very awkwardly placed. Again, I thought that they could be interesting, but I feel like, you know, it's kind of like mandated that you have to have data pages in these X-Men books. Yes. Which, okay, but maybe they could have been more to do with this story. I mean, the no. one one of the, <laughs> one of them had a fucking Russian word, and so on Wednesday morning, people on Twitter, I'm very happy to be a part of that. Thank you. We're trying to translate it. Um, and it turns out that the Russian in this book translates to chronicler. The better translation of that is storyteller. Beast found this little fucking like card piece of paper thing. 
But what's, I don't know, hopefully hopefully that'll tie back into what's going on. This negative domino has potential. Did they grow her from parts of the, of domino that were cut off? Also, I was thinking about this while reading this, because, you know, Domino's there. If Charles knew he was going to be assassinated, did he know Domino was going to be taken and tortured? Did he set that up so that she was going to be taken and tortured and that those fucking Reaver assassins were going to wear her skin? Was he in on all that? Did he know that? Well, I don't don't know if he knew specifically when he was going to be killed or he just knew that somebody was coming for him. Well. Because that's how I took it. Okay. I don't know. I mean, just last episode, I was talking about how much I love Dazzler versus Dark Dazzler, and now we're going to see this Domino versus Dominegative. But this could be really cool. This could be really cool if, you know, the the next issue or the next time they touch on this, you know, it depends on how that goes. I'm a little on the fence right now. The art was good. Um, Oscar Basil Dua, he did a great job on Mr. and Mrs. X. It was a little rougher here, but it was still really good. I, I'm ready to see Colossus in action, though. I hope he, he goes with Domino on the mission and we see more of Colossus. Yeah, I really liked it. But I didn't even read the data pages. I think I did the first time, but I didn't read them the second time because why? It's just a whole pile of text. I am interested in this dark domino so uh, i guess we'll have to just wait and see what happens with that because that was really weird i assume that they grew one with her skin but like do they have their own mr sinister do they have one of sinister's clones because he had like a whole group of them do they have dark beast who's doing this i hope she becomes dark phoenix (laughs) i hope she becomes a new dark phoenix we need another good dark phoenix story yeah we do So, do you think Raven is destined to get Irene back? Does Domino put the ass in assassination? Don't be so negative, folks. We'll be right back after a commercial break. Hey, guess what? Mutant Musings is doing another giveaway with artist Steven Gertz. You can find a link to his shop in the show notes of this very episode to check out his awesome artwork. He's made a giant 24 by 36 inch poster with 156 RPG style X-Men characters on Krakoa. There's the Quiet Council, the Marauders, the Five, X-Force, and many, many more. And you can win this enormous and amazing poster completely free if you can answer this question correctly. Dazzler has a half-sister. What is this half-sister's code name? Think about it, Google it, ask a friend, but get the correct answer and you'll be entered to win free stuff. How do you get us this answer? DM us with the correct answer on Twitter or Instagram to be entered to win. Remember, all you have to do is DM us with the correct answer on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast or DM us on Twitter at mutant musings. Starting Wednesday, February 19th, our DMs will be open awaiting your answers and you'll be entered to win this awesome poster from Steven Gertz. You can check out the poster and all his other work at stevengertz.com and a link will be in the show notes of this episode. Good luck, listeners! Oh no, darling. It's another bad dream, isn't it, Jean? Scott! Of course, it would be his fault that you're having a bad dream. All right, let's get your earbuds in and listen to some of the Waveback podcast from Geekay.com, shall we, darling? This episode has music from Earthbound. Oh, 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 Emma, and we're listening to Waveback. I love this podcast. 
Geekade.com has the best podcasts about video games, TV shows, tabletop, and Transformers. Plus articles about anime, music, and horror movies. And let's not forget YouTube and Twitch channels, darling. Geekade.com has something for every geek. Oh, Emma, it's wonderful waking up to you and Geekade.com. I had this terrible dream that Scott was blasting Nickelback and doing his white boy dance. Then he made me watch Darnie Darko. It was the worst dream. Yes, Scott loves his white boy dancing in awful, pretentious, and artsy movies that make no sense, doesn't he? Well, now, you're safe and sound with Auntie Emma and Geekade.com. Will you stay with me, Emma? And help me forget about the white boy dancing? Mmm, sounds ravishing. Check out Geekade.com today, darlings. Okay, so... Uh, what we're going to be talking about for our mutant memories, which is timely, right, is Fantastic Four versus X-Men. Did you know that this happened before? Yes, but I didn't read it. <laughs> but you read it before we're talking about it now, right? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> yeah, I never cared about the Fantastic Four, so I just skipped it. Did you it. just say Fantastic Four? No, I said Fantastic Four. Okay, I heard Fantastic Four. Okay, well that's a whole other thing that we're not getting into today. <laughs> Yeah, so this was written by Claremont because Chris Claremont literally wrote everything for Marvel between the years of 1975 and 1991. True. Everything. Yes. Fantastic Four, Spider-Man, NFL Super Pro. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. That didn't come until later. But yeah, so this was Claremont and John Bogdanov, and this came out in 1987, four-issue miniseries, and I enjoyed it. It did a a couple of really great things. It was interesting. It had its moments. Some of it was kind of dumb, but overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, If you've never read it, though, I would definitely recommend, like, you know, if you're listening to us, I assume that you're an X-Men fan. And if you're an X-Men fan, you've never read this before. It's definitely worth a read. Uh, A read Richards. (laughs) It's a a long read, though. (laughs) Yeah. Slow clap for us. Yes. Because no one else is going to do it. So it opens really fucked up. Reed killed the Fantastic Four and the X-Men? Gasp. What? He's looking at some book. That says journal, State University, <laughs> right? State University. It had his name on it, too. Yeah. And So uh, you know it's his and that he went to State he University. Has State University. Fucking State University. I guess I could didn't... never have gotten into that place. <laughs> I never even bothered applying. Reed yeah. Richards and Victor Von Doom went to State University. It takes fucking <laughs> geniuses to go there. Like, at least make up a fake name of a school like they did in Spider-Man. Stop. We both actually went to State University. We just went to a specific subset of it. <laughs> Excuse me? Yeah. Think of the college that we went to school. Yeah, I know. I know where we went. Okay. But it had another word before yes, it. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's a subset. Yeah, it's a subset. It's not good enough to be the big umbrella State University. You can't get any bigger than State University. I mean, what is there? A country university? <laughs> that's not a thing. World university? I don't think so. Patty State, everybody knows SU, okay? (laughs) I could never get into SU. I could never get into SU, and I don't want to. Reed wants to get into a SU. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know a SU. She's right here. Maybe that's... Oh, my God. Maybe that's why they named it State University, because it's SU. Sue, Reed not only got into State University, but he got into Sue Storm. He got into Sue, and they made a baby. They made two babies. No, they made one baby. The Where other did baby, the other baby come from? An alternate universe. Stupid. 
everybody's going to think I'm a poser. <laughs> but like I said, I don't give a shit about Fantastic Four, so. <laughs> so I got to find out the, uh, Jonathan was like, oh, there's a lot of flashbacks in this. And I was like, I was reading it, and since I don't know anything about the Fantastic Four, I'm like, this is all new information to me. I don't see any flashbacks. You didn't know how they got there. <laughs> you didn't no, know. I had no idea how they got their powers. I didn't give a shit. I didn't know that uh, Reed and Doom were, like, frenemies growing up. They went to the same state university. The four of them Dr. Had... Doom fucked up his own face. I thought he was born that way. So when this book was found, well, in Franklin's dream, at least, because it turned out to be a dream. He didn't actually kill everybody. So the thing was that in this book, it basically said that the rocket accident that they got into where they were exposed to the cosmic rays or whatever... It was like a plan. It was planned by Reed, and he knew that their four bodies were the only ones that could handle it or whatever, and that they had to do it to fight these, like, Aliens alien forces. Yeah. So I was like, huh, is that true? <laughs> uh, later we find out that is not true. He, whoa, didn't, he whoa. didn't do it on purpose. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. But uh, by this point, you know, we know Franklin's got powers, and so he's having, like, these premonitions in his dreams and so he believes that this is actually going to happen that his dad is going to fucking kill the family and kill the x-men the x-men are still on muir islands you know after they're still trying to recover from uh from the uh mutant massacre uh, havoc apparently dyed his hair if you guys didn't know he he dyed his hair for two issues of this series and he likes wearing his pants up past his belly button so yeah i guess he likes pants that right up his butt um so that was the thing uh shadow cat still can't get out of phasing uh, I think that was something that happened. It was a weird reaction when Harpoon threw a fucking energy harpoon at her. Colossus and Kurt are still in bad shape, so they're out of commission. Uh, Moira's like, you know, this deterioration. Eventually, this is going to cause Kitty irreparable brain damage. But Magneto suddenly knows that Reed has this device that might help pull the molecules How convenient. back. And she'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. Why the fuck? What is the purpose of this device if not for this specific condition. When Patty, has it ever happened before? It is Jonathan. A, it is a plot device. That is <laughs> the technical fantastic term. Fine. Plot device. See, I was making a double yes. on time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dazzler and Longshot are here, which is uh, because it's the 80s. And um, they found uh, a fisherman. Fall, that fell off a boat mm -hmm. uh, because Longshot wanted to see the water and he, he dove in. Yeah. And uh, he didn't like it, but he found a guy. And Dazzler was like, oh, that was so lucky. We never would have found him. And he just smiles like, yeah. This lucky. banister's lucky. Everybody's lucky. <laughs> 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 but the fisherman seems suspicious. He makes a suspicious face. Yes, this yeah. was his plan that's all how, along. That's how you know he's suspicious, because of the suspicious face and the mustache. He's <laughs> got sus a suspicious stash. <clears throat> and then Sue did the unthinkable. She read Reed's diary. Yeah, I know. You don't do that. What a bitch. What a bitch. It's like going through his phone. <laughs> <laughs> but also, maybe he shouldn't have been hiding shit. Just saying. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. But uh, She-Hulk and Thing, they're out at a library. And uh, remember these good old days when you could smoke there? Thing was just smoking no. a cigar. Yeah, man, 1987. No, there wasn't a cigar. He was smoking a pipe. No, Reed was smoking a pipe wow. in his laboratory. 
thing was smoking a, a cigar. <laughs> Everybody was library. smoking. You could, uh, All fucking... of the heroes smoked. None of the villains smoked. That's how you know they're bad guys. Yeah. I p- fucking, and this was... <laughs> you know, you this... can trust somebody who's smoking. You couldn't trust anybody who didn't smoke. Exactly. You couldn't trust anybody who did not do cocaine. Everybody <laughs> did cocaine. Only the villains didn't do cocaine. You know, <laughs> under Reagan, we were allowed to smoke anywhere we wanted, and we were allowed to do cocaine anywhere we wanted. We were allowed to fucking snort cocaine in hospitals. Are you kidding? <laughs> but there's some falling beams, and so She-Hulk and Thing try to stop the falling beams. And it's convenient. Magneto's looking for Reed, because he's in Magneto's comes to New York City to find Reed and helps put the beams back. And uh, and then they Magneto goes to talk to Reed, and Reed agrees to help with his device. You know, maybe uh, maybe we can get Shadow Cat back together. And Sue stays behind with the baby, so She Hulk goes with the four in case they need any muscle. You know, Reed is doubting himself a lot whether he can fucking actually pull this off or not. You know, he's talking to Thing, and Thing is like, Reed, you're always right, except that doozy flight into outer space that gave us powers. Don't know how you manage that one. And by the end of the issue, Reed just, he doesn't want to go any further with this device to pull Shadowcat back together. He's like, there's nothing more I can do. And Magneto flips the fuck out and tries to take the machine away. And then here we go. Human Torch goes to attack Magneto. Uh, Logan punches him in the gut. Uh, Logan goes after Reed and yells, save Kitty or you die. So this setup was okay, but this doubt all of a sudden? And so it was just like, nice, nice plot device. You know, it just, it all happens just bam. So fucking quickly to get the story going. Yeah. Same, same thing with what we were talking about before, I think. It just all happens Yeah, exactly. So fast. Because like, how else are you going to do it? It's only four issues. I don't know. I mean, the book was kind of like the whole like setup of what was going to break up the FF and stuff. Like, I guess like slowly they just all start reading it and then that creates conflict within that group and then there's conflict within the x-men because they're approached by doom who says i will do it yeah that fisherman yes that fisherman he wasn't a real fisherman remember how fisherman he had a suspicious stash yes the suspicious stash was he he was just a, a doom projector yes yeah doom said that he would help the x-men uh put kitty back together and reed is fucking like yelling like fucking you know don't trust him don't trust him but well, like then bro, you fucking do yeah, it yeah you fucking do it because you know she they... is going to die if nothing happens if nobody intervenes she's going to die yeah so even if reed is wrong and his machine doesn't work she's going to die yeah so she's gonna die one way or the other you would think that you know one of the smartest men on the planet would have thought about that first but no, instead, the X-Men and the Fantastic Four start fighting first. The Human Torch actually burned Storm pretty badly. I loved when uh, Wolverine kicked Reed in the face and now his like, face stretched. The art was honestly, the art was just so good. I love John Bogdanov. He's really just, I feel like, overlooked. But but this the art in this series was really good. Um, except for Havoc. <laughs> yeah. In the first two issues, anyway. Could I be wearing any more clothes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, so Moira yells at the four to leave, and when the Fantastic Four get home, Ben attacks Reed, because he read the journal too. And so this is what everybody is thinking, that like, whether... Nobody respects private property anymore. Whether consciously or unconsciously, he designed the spacecraft to absorb cosmic rays and knew it was going to happen, and that's what did what it did to the Fantastic Four, and that's what got their powers. You know, I mean, the X-Men argue a little bit, although it's not quite as tense 
as the tension between the Fantastic Four. Because it's like you know the X-Men are going to accept Doom's help. What the fuck else are they going to do? You know, they trust the villain for the sake of a friend. And, you know, they... And they, they know that they're going to be in his debt. And they're okay with that. Yeah. And Storm even said, okay, I will make the deal with Doom so none of you other ones have to get involved. But she means so much to me that I will just do it. And then, you know, of course the whole team's like, no, no, no. We'll all owe Doom. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay, come on, that's stupid. Yeah, but, you know, it, it was it was an interesting take on, like, these two groups and the trust that they have. You have the Fantastic Four essentially crumbling because of their lack of trust right now. And you have the X-Men walking, like, right into the fucking villain's castle. Just trusting that he's going to help all because of their friend. So what I'm saying is the X-Men are better than, than the Fantastic Four. Absolutely. <laughs> but there's one member of the Fantastic Four who is good. And that is the child. <laughs> he is sleepwalking, projecting, and uh, visits Kitty. Who is very naked the whole time. Who is very naked. Um, she just has, like, wisps of smoke just, you know, placed properly, I guess. Um, well, yeah, because she's still underage. She was going on 15 at this time. Yeah. And it's okay because he is a small child. You know? But she was... I was thinking about this, too. She was naked in front of everybody. That must be so awkward. She wasn't even, like, trying to, like, cover her titties or anything. That's true. Okay, when I was 15, I would not want to be in front of a room As opposed naked. to now, at now, your age, where you would want to be in front no, of a, in front now of a room. Now, <laughs> I would still rather die than be naked in front of a room of people. Like, no thank you. You can be naked in front of a room of me, Paul. Okay. You know, you're like... <laughs> Like, I have friends who do, like, nude modeling and stuff uh, for, like, art. And I'm like, how the fuck? Yo, more, more You're power You're just going to them. pull your titties out. <laughs> That's wild, man. Good for you. Yeah, more power to all those people who are confident, comfortable enough with their bodies to be able to do that. I am not one of those people. Meeple is not one of those people. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, so, anyway. So, you know, the X-Men are hanging out at Doom's castle. The Doom bots attack Rogue because she's flying in too fast. And Dazzler and Havoc uh, go to blast them away from her. And Dazzler shows up Havoc. And I thought that that was really cute. And uh, his hair went back to its natural color. Those Latverian hairdressers work very fast. I mean, listen, Latveria is very oppressed people. But their hairdressers are fucking amazing. But, you know, Kitty is really fucking depressed. You know, she thinks she's going to die anyway. She's, like, ready to go fucking kill herself. Yeah, she was leaving her containment unit to go outside and just let herself, like, drift away. in the wind. Isn't yeah. that a song? Blowing in the wind? Is that it? I don't know. That's when uh, little Franklin shows up and tells her not to kill herself. But so this was weird. Uh, it was really weird because Franklin is watching and yelling the entire time for her not to fucking do it. And she can't hear him. Finally, uh, Lockheed, like, makes this loud sound and the X-Men hear it when they come running Franklin is still yelling, and finally, Kitty notices. Nothing had changed. He was yelling almost that whole time. How come Kitty didn't notice before, but she noticed at this one specific moment that Franklin was there and yelling for her to get back in containment? I didn't understand that. Because they kept saying the whole time that he wasn't actually there physically, so he was more like a ghost. Nobody could see or hear him, and I think it's just like with... The mutants and stuff, it has to be like a time of stress that their power comes out. 
And he was screaming there for a while. And when it seems like most desperate, his power finally like evolved. We're gonna have to, to change save this. Her. We're gonna have to change this. The name of the show to Patty Woman Splains the X Men. Good. Seriously, because you're catching things today. I guess that I missed. I didn't even fucking think about that. And like that's so like yeah, you're right. In times of stress, that's that's when it happens. By the time the X-Men get upstairs, she is back in containment, and they, they, you know, Franklin and her are, like, calm and whatever. And so we cut back and forth between the X-Men and the Fantastic Four. Reed is trying to explain that he didn't do it on purpose, regardless of what his diary says. Um, But he's wondering if his own subconscious could have betrayed him. And now he goes to see Franklin, whose body, you know, is still in New York City. He wakes up. He's, like, really upset. And Reed decides, you know, oh, now I do have time for my child. Because yeah. at the very beginning, he tells his child to go away. I'm smoking my pipe here. Honey, do your woman job and <laughs> take care of your son. <laughs> but now he's being such a good man. He's left the pipe and he's doing he's doing the woman's job and taking care of his <laughs> child. Sorry. I couldn't say that without laughing. But this was cute. This This was legitimately cute. Because Reed is telling the story of Saggy Baggy Elephant. And I think... The biggest thing missing from uh, Fantastic Four versus X-Men from this miniseries is the entire story of Saggy Baggy Elephant. I want to hear that story. <laughs> and and Reed isn't even reading the book to Franklin. He's saying it out loud and doing all the pictures with his stretchy skin. This was adorable. The whole idea of this was adorable. I want to see the Saggy Baggy Elephant. I want the story. Patty, tell me the story of Saggy Baggy I Elephant. I don't know it, but I wish I did. <laughs> I know, right? Also, um, not knowing like anything about the Fantastic Four. Okay, so it sounds like okay, oh, we, so, Reed stretches. No, That's oh my pet. god. <laughs> so Ben was dating this girl, and then she left him for Johnny. Yeah. Is this the one well, that yes, Ben is sure. married to now? Yes, Alicia. Yeah. What a bitch! <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> and like, how dare like his best friend's little brother-in-law like fucking just be like oh you were you were dating my or my fucking you were dating my brother-in-law's best friends yeah i could fuck you who does that on both parts it's awful so i don't think that was actually alicia that fell in love i think the retcon of that was whoop no that was a scroll Okay, but it's still fucked up for Johnny to fuck Ben's girlfriend. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure Ben gave his blessing at some point, but, like, even still, you know, bro. You don't do that. Yeah, you don't do that. Yeah, but he did that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So I got that out of the way. Was, I was just like, what the fuck is going on in this Maury Povich-ass family? <laughs> you know... Ben is feeling sorry for himself at a bar, but on his way home, he saves a baby from a burning car. Sue watches Reed with Franklin, and, you know, Johnny has this talk with Alicia, who actually brings <laughs> brings up Ben at one point while sitting on Johnny's lap. Like, it's not why I fell in love with you or Ben. Like, let's let's all talk about all these things. And they all, you know, believe that Reed didn't actually plan what had happened to them is what it seems by the so end of this, this issue. is this why like the roster changed on the fantastic four sometimes was it because of this fucking maury drama i mean maybe i <laughs> i don't know probably 
I, I know enough about the Fantastic Four to get by, but I can't tell you really details. The one uh, team that I'm interested in, though, is the replacement team, which I don't remember why it happened, but it, I think it was in the early 90s. It was Wolverine, Hulk, Spider-Man, and Ghost Rider. I'd be interested to read whatever stories they were involved in as the Fantastic Four, because I think that's neat, but that's beside the point. You know, I, I of course this was going to happen. Everyone was going to find trust and read again. It was quick, but it was sweet. So that leads us into issue four, where, you know, the X-Men, they've been at Doom's castle this entire time. Doom hasn't actually finished his preparations yet, so he's not actually starting to try to get put Kitty back together again. But again, at the, the beginning of the final issue of this miniseries, you know, Franklin is visiting Kitty again in his sleep. I'm wondering if this kid ever fucking gets restful sleep. You know what I mean? Like, this entire time, the kid is... He's either at home in New York City, awake, or, you know, his fucking astral form is hanging out with, you know, fucking naked teenager. The kid well, is always awake. Maybe he can only travel during REM sleep, so he is getting sleep, but... It's not restful. I don't, I don't fucking know. No wonder this fucking kid... I'm not a sleep doctor. No wonder this, this teenager dyed his fucking hair black and is an angsty teenager. The kid hasn't slept. He hasn't slept right. He needs some fucking sleep. But it was it was adorable. Franklin tells Kitty that his dad is going to come help. And Kitty starts to cry. And so Franklin starts to tell her the story of a saggy, baggy <laughs> elephant. Patty, oh my god. I can't deal with how adorable all this is. <laughs> I don't even like children. There were times where Franklin was a little annoying during this series. For the most part, he was dope. And this was one of my favorite fucking moments. When he starts trying to tell the story of Saggy Baggy Elephant to cheer Kitty up. And Lockheed's just squatting there, ready to listen to this story. I'm right there with him. I'm <laughs> right there with him. So, Psylocke starts allowing Kitty and Franklin to communicate through her telepathy. But Doom says it's time. And just in time to begin, Magneto starts yelling about his past. And Doom comes out and tells him to shut the fuck up. Because his magnetic powers are going to throw off the machines. And then the Fantastic Four arrive. And Magneto lashes out with his magnetism again. And Doom is like, <laughs> I told you, you fucker. And then he goes, wait, no, Richard, you fantastic fucker. Realizes that, you know, his fucking nemesis is there. And so the computer is down now. So the X-Men are like, we're going to go fucking yell at the Fantastic Four. And uh, Kitty is like, you know, it would be nice if maybe everybody joined forces and didn't fight each other. And everybody fights each other anyway. And the fight is fucking fantastic. Fucking, I think Dazzler, Longshot, and Havoc show up in a fucking Jeep. And Dazzler, yes. Dazzler's, Dazzler's wearing... wearing a Leela jacket. That was great. I got so happy about that. And and I love this. I love oh, the art. And I, I uh, remember when we were talking about, like, random characters having Dazzler posers. Yeah. I think it just happened because uh, I'm reading uh, Avengers Academy now, and somebody in Avengers Academy had one. <laughs> Good. So I loved all the fight. I loved the art. I loved the fighting. But what I call bullshit is that it seemed like the Fantastic Four were able to take out so many X-Men so easily. It seems like that's the way the fight's going anyway until the fighting stops when Franklin riding Lockheed. He's riding. This tiny child is riding the dragon. Comes and yells at everybody. Kitty's dying. Don't you care? And uh, so fucking, you know, Reed walks up to the castle clutching his fucking Sioux journal. And uh, Doom sees it and is like, whatever occurs here this night, my old friend, you are doomed. So Doom starts up the machine 
And, uh, you know, Reed is helping him. He's looking over all this stuff. But Reed catches, like, this tiny little calculation that's that's off. And Reed and Doom start yelling at each other. And this was dope. Again, Franklin is trying to get them to calm down. And he fucking tugs at Doom's cape. And you just see Doom looking down at this child like, oh, okay, fine. But Reed starts going on about his self-doubt again. What if he? What if I make a mistake? The journal... Oh, you know, maybe their telepath can read my mind. He's like, you know, saying this stuff. And, and Logan's like, oh, but if, but if he does, you know, if Psylocke reads his mind to find out if, if he did that subconsciously or not, he's going to eat him up for the rest of his life. But if he doesn't do it, oh, kitty. Uh, and it's just, it's silly. But obviously, you know, Reed managed to do this miraculous calculation, you know, make the computer work and fucking it saves kitty. She's, she's going to yeah. be okay. And then, Not immediately, but she'll get but there. But she'll get there eventually. Sue confronts Doom, believing that he wrote uh, what he wrote in that journal and planted it years ago, waiting for for it to be found. And you know that Doom actually did it, even though Doom doesn't admit to it, because Doom just keeps going on about the caviar. <laughs> he really wants this lady to eat the fucking caviar. They got the best caviar in Latveria, I guess. But yeah, so that's that's pretty much, you know, how it ends. It ends with Franklin dancing with the naked kitty. So I don't know. There was a, there was some flashback, you know. Like, I'm, I guess I'm kind of happy that you you know got we chose you got to read it because you got to learn a little bit about the Fantastic Four sure. now. It's it's not a whole lot less than than what I know, but but yeah, you know. I actually really liked this story. It was really enjoyable to read. It just took a very long time because there were so many words. Uh, it was Claremont, which I didn't realize until we started talking about it now. But yeah, I mean, you know that I love a lot of his work and maybe it's just different going back and being able to read everything in one go than waiting like every month i feel like it hits a lot different and i feel like i would like comics a lot more if i could just read them all at once you know and then you gotta trade wait yeah you have to wait for the trades and then you still have to wait like months in between the trades yes so yes you do it's i don't know maybe i'll have to go back and read everything but like it doesn't seem worth it yeah, it's a lot. And it's not like, like, what if there are periods of time where you're so busy, you fucking, you just, you just can't get to it, you know? And then you, what, you're going to start all over again? Or you're going to start yeah. from a certain point again? So, no, I, I, I get you. Absolutely. I feel like I've said this a couple of times recently. We've talked about this a little bit. That it's different being able to get the full story right in one go or within a matter of days as opposed to it taking months for you to get a full story. Yeah, I think that's why I've been complaining about new stories so much. Maybe they're not bad, or, like, that, you know, I'm not just like, oh, the 80s stuff was the best and nothing will ever compare again. But just the fact that, you know, it's so different to read them as they're coming out. Yeah. It's not as enjoyable. Sometimes it really isn't. You know, I mean, I feel like I, I've brought this this up before, uh, like Rosenberg's Uncanny Run. Yeah, everybody's entitled to their opinion. I definitely get why people don't like it, but once it was over... And especially, you know, when I reread the whole thing, like all those issues back to back in the matter of a few days, I was able to appreciate it much more, definitely. But but it was very different to read that all in the matter of a few days as opposed to every two weeks when it was coming out. So, yeah, I, I absolutely get it. But anyway, this this miniseries was, you know, again, I had a couple of issues with it, but but it was a lot of fun, um, you know, and really important. You know, it brought it brought Kitty back to, to normal. Because that was a question. It was like, oh, is she actually... Why can't she fucking unfaze? Is she actually going to fucking die? And this helped fix that. And and it was really interesting. Um, this had a lot to do with trust um, and how crippling self-doubt can be. How it can affect your family, your friends. 
people around you. Um, and I don't know. It was just, it was kind of neat. You know, Franklin was a little annoying sometimes, but I feel like he had some of the best moments in this series. And also the art was dope. So yeah, so if you haven't read uh, Fantastic Four versus X-Men from the 80s, uh, definitely go read it. So that'll do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us, and don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. What did you think of Fantastic Four versus X-Men? And what did you think of X-Men Fantastic Four? Join us for a new episode in two weeks, and until then... Franklin Richards was right. <laughs>